Now, ever since February the 15th, Jayang Javori has taken on a musical journey starting from India and travelling through the world, including Africa, Egypt, Greece, France, America and the UK. And we've been given an insight into the life and music of some of the most talented and legendary musicians and artists of our time. And it has been an absolute pleasure and education. Today we end the current series back where we started as we go back to India and get another taste of the amazing sister, sisters Lata Mangeshkar and Asha Bosley. And let me welcome Jayang back in the studio. Good afternoon to you, Jayang. Afternoon, Sadia. Back to me. It's great to be back here. <laughs> it's always lovely, as I say every week, to have you in the studio. Now, Jiang, this is quite a, a significant program here. We're going to stick, you know, a big bumper show for you today. Uh, tell me now, Asha, Asha and Lata, we really didn't get to cover them enough during our first sort of meeting with them. That's true. And so I thought it would be nice to kind of um, conclude this season of these, this uh, series of programs with a feature on both of them. Mm -hmm. um, there are many, many things about them which set them apart from a lot of the other artists that we have met. Actually, one th common thread, as I keep saying uh, through these shows about all the artists that we have met, is that they were significant outliers mm -hmm. in their in their talents. Absolutely. And we met a lot of them who were not trained. Yes. So it was pure natural talent that mm -hmm. brought them there. In this case, we're talking about two sisters from an illustrious family of musicians. Their father was a stage actor and singer, so they were exposed to music at a very, very young age. And it did have uh, help that both of them were extraordinarily gifted. Mm. And you're talking about a family which has between them five of the highest civilian awards, uh, uh, honors, sorry, awarded in India. Mm -hmm. The five siblings, they share five awards. And uh, between the two sisters, they account for, I would say, easily 60 to 70 percent of the repertoire of Bollywood, starting from 1947 till uh, the, uh, I would say, um, when was the last time that Lataji sang? She was probably, it, 2019 was the last track that she ever recorded. Wow. And Asha Bosley still does record yeah. the occasional so till now I mean you're talking about an 80 almost 80 year long that's, uh, history that's quite a monopoly isn't it I mean you know there must have been so many other budding people who wanted to get in there but obviously these ladies have ruled the roost haven't they completely yes you know the word monopoly is a highly contested word <laughs> okay. and it is often used by um, I mean it's it's I would say that it's quite natural that people would think in those terms mm -hmm. and especially the younger artists who say well you know we are there what about us yes yeah and it has been said and there's been a lot of stories about both of these ladies what uh, people fail to understand is that you only get asked again and again if you are very very good Mm. Mm. And, and this is were. commercial you've yeah. got to be extremely good you have to be able to deliver the goods Mm -hmm. And if you've got the best, why on earth in an industry which is there to make money, mm -hmm. um, uh, why on earth would you ever go for somebody else? Yeah, yeah. And and this is what the crowd wants too, because they were incredibly popular and that's what everyone wanted to listen to, right? Actually, yes. But also what sets them apart from all of the, a lot of the other popular singers is 
that is their artistic sensibility. Mm-hmm. They brought in their aesthetic and artistic sensibilities to what, in effect, was a very commercial art form, mm-hmm. and that re- I mean, they raised their commercial singing to an art form, which I'm afraid the others haven't been able to do, mm. and at least not the current crop and the crop before them. Mm. And now, you know, can I just ask? I, this might be a little bit. Sort of, I'm asking a bit too early. Maybe this is mm. going to come up later. But we are talking about, you know, two sisters who are in the same field, who are different in their own ways. Um, was there, you know, there's always this question: Was there a sort of rivalry between them? Was it a competitive sort of sibling thing that they had? Um, it is a question which they both have always and consistently denied. Mm-hmm. It is a question which is being asked and not only being asked, it's being played up by the media. Um, I personally think, my, this is my view, that they were so different in their approaches and their styles of singing that there couldn't have been rivalry of comparing chalk and cheese. All right. You Which know, makes are, a lot of sense, really, that they all—they both got their own unique yeah. abilities. Although their fundamental, their grooming and their the fundamentals were um, uh, based in Hindustani classical music, because obviously their father was a very accomplished classical musician, so both of them were trained. Lata Mangeshkar, starting at the age of four, wow. when her father caught her singing, <laughs> I know. actually. More precisely, her father caught her correcting one of his disciples. <laughs> Say, oh, no, 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 that's not the way you sing it. This is the way it is. It's meant to be four, sung at the it? age of four. And <laughs> he said, amazing. well, you know, I've got a star in the family. Why am I spending time teaching others? So she learned from him until his death when she was only 13. Wow. And they lost him and they lost the breadwinner. I mean, he, they, the family did not have money. He, his career had more or less finished. And uh, two weeks after he died, she had to go and start making money for the family. She was only 13. Mm -hmm. And she, in fact, said in an interview that she has never seen adolescence. She uh, uh, she went from being a child straight to being an adult. (laughs) That's right, supporting her family. Absolutely. Five siblings, mother and mother's sister and their daughter. Gosh, so like it's not like there wasn't any pressure on her at all. This no. is, and and even in that, she still managed to do what she did. Yeah, she started off acting in movies, but she did not like the idea of um, going in front of arc lights, putting on makeup, and being told move this, do that, you mm-hmm. know, move this way, move that way. Mm-hmm. And when she got a break as a singer. She bid, uh, bid goodbye uh, to films mm-hmm. and uh, she started and uh, what happened with Lata Mangeshkar is because uh, she had an extraordinarily supple voice. Uh, I know, before I continue, let's talk about voice. Yes, I was going to say this because, you know, sometimes when people listen to some of the music from some of these uh, South Asian artists, they might feel that, you know, the voice and you would be a better person to explain mm-hmm. this, but can be can sound quite high-pitched and slightly shrill. But, you know, we, just, we see the Chinese opera and that's similar. So that, I suppose, takes a little getting used to, doesn't it? That it's a little t- takes a little getting used to, but the thing is that in their Prime, these voices might have been high pitched, they were, but they were they were very sweet. Some of the songs, in fact, I've selected the songs mm-hmm. where you'll not hear any of the shrillness. Right, and um, uh, it's just that uh, it became a trend. In fact, before Lata Mangeshkar, most of the female voices were quite kind of low pitched. It was uh, uh, below uh, uh, sort of soprano, soprano, below soprano range, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they were heavier. 
and with with her in fact in fact the very first producer that heard her rejected her saying she's too high pitched oh really she's okay. not going to go on my hero and remember we are talking about playback singing yes that yes. means that the person who acted these were all sung for movies and the person who enacted uh the actress who enacted the song on screen did not actually sing because they probably never knew how to sing mm mm-hmm. So she they were just lip syncing. And that's quite an alien thing in western yes. movies, isn't it? Because the western yes. they will have actors actually singing and they have to perform. See, movies are make believe, but this according to some of my western friends takes make believe to another level. <laughs> you have to suspend your disbelief, you know. <laughs> but this is the way it was. And uh so she was rejected initially, but uh there was a composer who said no. I'm going to make sure that you get in mm-hmm. and he gave her a break and other composers heard her and they said wow we can she can do anything with her voice mm-hmm. you know and it was mm-hmm. a composer's dream mm-hmm. in fact one of the composers Anil Vishwas is on record as having said that with that with the arrival of Lata Mangeshkar we we could push the creative envelope <laughs> to extends i remember one thing that in those days the lyricists and the com- composers again were very steeped in traditional indian classical and uh, folk music so what you heard in those days was uh, in fact quite artist artistically had very high content mm-hmm. like the song that you heard where both of them were singing it was classical and you could hear them doing these fast runs which was very characteristic of the kind of music that their father taught them mm-hmm. mm. wow yeah so um once uh, Uh, Lata Mangeshkar got her break and there was no looking back her career graph has just gone up up yeah, and up she's never had a setback yeah yeah and um uh, you know in fact there's this one song that I'd like you to play mm-hmm. uh, was from a movie called Anarkali which was a period movie based on um, a legend uh, of um, the son of the emperor Akbar and a courtesan that he was in love with and when this movie was premiered in London in 1951 one of the british journalists who saw watched that movie and said that you know um everything was fine but that woman she sang like an angel oh. of course little did he know that <laughs> it was it not the woman <laughs> it was it was this other angelic voice behind so i just want you to play that song is in the gyosike this life belongs to those who have fallen in love that was lovely um just as that was on we were just talking about the whole recording i mean i was think i was feeling that it was actually a vinyl lp going around it was like actually re- crackles yes it was yeah. actually a remastering from a 78 rpm wow in fact the version that you heard um just then is nowadays would be considered rare mm-hmm. because these songs in the early 50s um when they recorded for the film it was recorded directly onto the film mm-hmm. and there was no technology available in india in those days to transfer the song from the film to record so in fact they had to record a song twice i see and sometimes on the film the film version was far longer and for the record you had to confine it you had to edit it uh, you had to keep it uh, down to 3 minutes and 20 seconds mm-hmm. uh because the size of the 78 rpm a 10 inch right yeah. okay right and so they recorded it twice so you were actually listening to the uh, to the song which was specifically the version was specifically recorded for the 78 rpm record mm. and which was a lot more subdued 
and um, repetitions were avoided plus there were no extra verses the f- the the film version is in two parts and each of those parts is about 4 minutes long okay my goodness yes. you're a mine of information jang really <laughs> and now we move on to asha bosley yes but before we move on to asha bosley what was happening was that at this stage at this stage you know lata mangeshkar obviously was a force to re- to be reckoned with mm-hmm. in the meantime in the early 50s asha bosley her sister her third sister so it was their four sisters and a brother the youngest one is the brother so it was lata mangeshkar meena asha usha and the brother radhanath so in the meantime the sister asha bosley fell in love with lata mangeshkar's secretary Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they decided to elope when Asha Bosley was only 16. Oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> yeah, this was around 1949-1950. Uh-huh. And Asha Bosley was happy just being a housewife. But it just so happened that her husband discovered by accident that she could sing well. Mhm and he thought wow i've got a money making machine at home oh no right. and she was forced into singing literally okay. she took took to took music lessons and you know she was forced and she had a very very difficult married life and a uh, very tormented married life mm. and she gave um, uh, she had three children and um throughout the 50s in fact she was recording far more than her sister lata mangeshkar the only thing was she would always get the supporting actresses song mm-hmm. or the vamp song not the main not hero, the main right? lead no right. no it it wasn't the case but with asha bosley she said well a i did not want to get into singing but now that i'm in here i might as well Do it. I do it and That's I do right. it well so she just took any assignments that came her way mm-hmm. and that meant that she already right from the beginning learned how to become versatile you know she was forced into it Yeah cuz her some of I do recall um some of her tracks like you've just mentioned the whole cabaret she came sometimes in a vamp and very sort of quite sexy quite moody sort of songs very yes. totally different Yes the thing about Asha Bosley with even her sister Lata Mangeshkar conceded was that she could sing any type of song mm. she'd sing a classical song she'd sing a ghazal which is a urdu lyrical yeah. poem she'd sing rock and roll she could sing disco and you know she'd sing something which was bluesy and swelt you know mm-hmm. to fit the uh, vamp on mm-hmm. the screen mm-hmm. and uh, so um, she just came and uh, took any assignment and delivered to the best and she actually towards the end of the 50s got her breakthrough where she uh, featured for um, the lead heroine uh, mm-hmm. in the movies and uh, after that she never looked back and uh, she there was obviously the, those comparisons as we said in the in uh, in the beginning but both of them had carved out niches for themselves and so uh, there was really no competition i think there was no really no competition to speak of mm-hmm. um we talk about their family matters a little later <laughs> but before we do why don't we listen to one of asha bosley's sexy sultry numbers from a film in the mid 60s 1966 movie called mere sanam uh, my beloved and here she talks about uh, her silken tresses 
What a sultry number and what a lovely laugh she has. Uh, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. And you were talking about that and, and it also made me think too about the whole thing that you mentioned earlier on about sort of controversies that are attached. So we have to get into the nitty gritty, I'm afraid. Yes, no, 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 sure, sure. So, you, you know, just coming back to that song that mm -hmm. you just heard, you would have noticed that there was quite a blend of different styles of singing in there. Mm. So mm. at times it was bluesy mm. and more western, more jazzy. And there was there were times when she did these trills, which are so um, typical of Hindustani classical and semi-classical music. Amazing, amazing variation in that. And that just really speaks of her talent, yeah. really, doesn't it? And even the high notes were so full-throated and delivered completely without any shrillness, without you know, with just the right balance mm, and mm. right punch. And of course, pitch perfect. Both of them were absolutely pitch perfect. Beautiful. So, yes, controversy is the yeah. stuff of uh, the grist for the gossip mill. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that uh, you have to, got to understand that Bollywood or Hindi films, the world of Hindi films, was an entirely male-dominated bastion. Mm -hmm. And in so you had male composers, except for one or two female composers, the rest of them were male. You had male producers, male directors. Um, and obviously the composers, unless of course they were very independent and there were a couple of them who thought independently and who had quite a bit of power, um, would have to do what the producers wanted them to do. And even those composers who had could hold their own knew what good music was all about and knew when they heard a good voice and they knew that nobody could deliver like these two sisters mm -hmm. did, mm -hmm. right? So it helped them to establish a dominant position. And the producers would tell the rest, hey, you know, we want her because look, you know, we've sunk money into the movie. We are only going to make money back two ways. Either, the success of it depends yeah, on them. Yeah. The ticket sales yeah. or um, uh, royalties that we might get from radio play mm -hmm. or the record sales, right? So if the movie bombs at the box office, at least I know that my records will sell and they'll get airplay. Yeah. yeah. So if, if I want that to happen, I might as well go to a sure shot hit voice yeah, yeah and that is how it it perpetuated like an insurance policy absolutely. isn't it that that's how they treated them that's yeah right. absolutely and so amongst the male composers some of them even whispered that oh you know they don't allow anybody else to come up and they've told us that if you get somebody else we won't sing for you etc etc so these kind of stories did do the rounds mm -hmm. and we know now because having spoken to people inside the industry that a lot of these were deliberately spread mm -hmm. um, to try and upstage they no stone was left unturned because I mean they went thinking how come two diminutive white sari clad women called the shots with no airs and graces exactly. as well because they were incredibly humble incredibly simple and yeah. and i don't know do you think at that point they they got what they deserved in terms of money because obviously they were there and they were in the industry they were making it because i suppose the quantity of work that they were doing but do you think that you know they were taken for granted a little bit that in the beginning, they might have been, but definitely not Lata Mangeshkar. And, uh, well, definitely Lata Mangeshkar made sure she got paid what she okay. wanted, right? Uh, okay. You know, uh, quite early on. For Asha Bosley, maybe I think by the time she uh, it was in the sixties, uh, you know, she was already getting paid what she wanted. Mm -hmm. So they could demand their fees. Um, no, number one, but what happened was in the early sixties. 
the playback singers uh, formed an association called the Playback Artist Association. And they started fighting, demanding royalties. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, there was a controversy. And uh, with with that, um, uh, you know, uh, there were all kinds of stories which came out. But finally, you know, Lata Mangeshkar made sure that she got a share of the revenues from video play. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's what happened. Now, um, obviously, that controversy, there were sides which were taken and it only stirred the pot more as far as the composers were concerned and the stories became even more viral with the media, with sections of the media playing up the rivalry between the sisters and so on and so forth. But it was all denied by them and um, you can see the results. I mean, um, you know, they both have very different styles of song. Now, of course, this is all Bollywood, but outside of Bollywood, these sisters, although the repertoire is quite limited, it is quite significant because when you're not singing for a film, you have much more artistic freedom. And I wanted to play a ghazal, which is an Urdu lyrical poem by, as it happens, a very famous Pakistani poet. And com- this, this song that we are going to hear is composed by a Pakistani ghazal singer, Ghulam Ali. Um, the poet is Ahmed Faraz. And this was recorded circa 1982 or 83 uh, for, an, for a special album which Asha Bosley did with Ghulam Ali. And I'd like you to listen to because this has got elements, a bit of elements of jazz in it as well, in terms of the singing, quite chromatic scales. And uh, it uses her vocal artistry to the fullest. So, so uh, they had a repertoire in outside of films, which was quite significant, which was quite uh, artistically more highly developed than what they sang for films. But obviously their film assignments were so too numerous. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we come to a time when, um, you know, they started reducing their assignments. And, uh, well, Lata Mangeshkar did by the 80s. Asha Bosley did by the 90s. But Asha Bosley did a lot of work uh, where she collab- collaborated with Western artists, with Boy George, for instance, mm. with a group called Code Red. And they even formed a group called the West India Company and she released a few singles. And she did a, a record with the Kronos Quartet in the early noughties. Yeah, I remember a track of hers, um, Ave Maria, which she did with Blamange. That's correct. And it was an amazing, like, I used to have a SIG tune based on Ave Maria for my program on the BBC, I remember. Nice. And it was Asha Bosley and yeah. Blamange. Whereas Lata Mangeshkar did not really uh, collaborate or done do any works on that kind of international level mm-hmm. although did, she did have concerts in the Royal Albert Hall with the Ren Orchestra and um, uh, did a few concerts with the Canadian Symphony Orchestras um, and even in fact here in Hong Kong with the Hong Kong Philharmonia Orchestra Wow! Um, when she was here in 1994 but other than that no she never really did any cross-cultural work mm-hmm. but uh, as you know, on, uh, both of them were honoured, well, Lata Mangeshkar was honoured with uh, the third, second and the first highest civilian honours um, uh, in her life. Asha Bosle was honoured much later in life with the second highest civilian honour in India. And on February the 6th this year, we lost Lata Mangeshkar to COVID. Yes, I remember. And that's when we started JJ's Music Box soon after that. That's correct. And uh, in fact, Asha Bosley has gone on record as having said that she feels, she and the rest of her siblings feel orphaned because she said they she, they lost her father figure for the second time. Mm, I know, what a sad loss. But what an amazing legacy she leaves behind. Sure. Can you imagine all of them stayed in, lived in the same apartment block? 
on the same floor, four apartments, and somebody once remarked that it is a re- it's unheard of that one that little piece of land there, a little home, is home to twenty thousand of uh, the most iconic songs of an entire subcontinent. Wow, that's amazing, and I think Jiang, this is where we have to perhaps. You know, say farewell here for now. <laughs> Tears for the crying. Oh, I, know, I feel quite, I feel quite emotional. That's why yes. I can't let it go because I am going to be playing some more music of yours sure, later on, which you've stolen from which, my which, box. Yes. I have stolen from your box, mm, and yes. I didn't want you to know, but I had to publicize it. <laughs> but uh, Jeng, I'd like to thank you so much, uh, so very much, because you know, since February we've done some amazing programs. But you know, this is just the end of the current series at the yes. moment, and he will be back. And um, so, thank you very much for Jeng's music. Thank you, Sadia. It has been an absolute pleasure coming here lugging along my music box picking out these records playing them for you and talking about these artists and the last track let's just finish up what's this one so this is a bhajan or a devotional song written by amira bai who was a poet from the 16th 15th to 16th century it was composed by the lata mangeshkar's youngest younger brother uh-huh. 